Well, good morning, everybody. So happy to be here with all of you. Um, I haven't I haven't been up here yet. So if you're a first timer or if you're watching online for the first time, my name is Calvary. I'm the pastor. Just want to say welcome. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, you just saw a video about um, Compassionate Ministries and our emphasis, one of the things we're trying to, to hit on is uh, child sponsorship. Many of you are familiar with child sponsorship and um, it's a particular amount that we give I mean, you can sponsor a child and then you give it a certain amount each month and you are taking care of that child's needs. When you came in, you might have seen out in the lobby, there was a, a booth set up and Vivian's out there with that. So after the service, I would encourage you um, to, on your way out, stop by and look at that, grab one of the brochures. And if some of you, like myself, have been involved in child sponsorship, and uh, it's a tremendous way to be able to uh, connect with families, to help children in underprivileged parts of the world and uh, to provide food and, and health care and those kind of things. It's a way that we can give back to that. So stop on your way back out. And uh, I was going to say um, to uh, Lucas, thank you for, man, what a rousing talk about tithing and giving. Um, I, he, he doesn't even get paid here. So, you know, that was, I was like, man, way to go, Lucas. Um, but he does have his local license and he's uh, you know, he's learning these things and he wants to be, uh, well, he's been involved in ministry in his life and wants to move into full-time pastoral ministry. So that's, that's good. But anyway, lots of stuff going on. We have um, the opportunity here in just a couple of weeks on the 23rd, I think. Uh, the community of Lantana does a, what they call the Monster Mile every year. And it's uh, before this, it's a week before actual Halloween. But we're always looking for ways to get involved in our community. And I can tell you, since, um, since I live over here, that there will be a couple of thousand people go through this thing. And um, so we have joined with them, you know, to help with that. If you want to help us as we, we're going to stand in the, in the path and it's kind of hard to describe if you've never seen it but the people will just be walking by and we're going to talk to them about our church as they walk by that's going to be interesting i'm sure for us to do but if you want to be a part of that let me know um and i want to tell you that uh it's kind of on my heart as we're getting close to the end of this it's not close we're halfway through we've got today and two other messages left on this kingdom uh, business series and by the way if you are behind or you've missed something please go back and check our website or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Listen to these messages. These messages, um, and not because of me or any of my teaching, but I believe they are foundational to being a Christian, um, understanding what the kingdom of God is. But uh, I'm looking forward to what God has for us next. And so uh, we're getting close to the season of Advent. Can you believe already that Advent, which is uh, the season leading up to Christmas, is just around the corner. Very excited about Christmas. Everybody knows it's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, Christmas is just around the corner, so we want to be thinking about that. But um, I'm working on some stuff for the first of the year, and uh, it's going to involve, I think it's going to be about God's kingdom, but part two. So we'll see what that looks like. So we've been going through this series called Kingdom Business. I'm going to try to catch you up in case you've missed anything, remind you what we were talking about. Uh, we first started off talking about the uh, minimum entrance re uh, requirements for heaven, right? Jesus never talked about minimum entrance requirements. He never mentioned those words. He never talked about um, that, but he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. 
He talked a lot about bringing up there, down here. God, how do we make your kingdom come down here? Teach me how to live like I'm living in your kingdom. And uh, the people, people in the kingdom of God, they care about the poor and the marginalized. They care about the environment. They care about our neighbor. Kingdom of God people are very special kind of people. Um, and Jesus is recruiting a group of people to participate in this kingdom with him. And that group of people he calls the church, which is us. Um, he also talked about this idea that he believed that when people realize what the kingdom of God is, that they'll be willing to do anything to be a part. That they'll, um, he tells stories about it, like the pearl of great price or the uh, treasure in the field. He tells stories like that that talk about people's desire, things they want more than anything in this world, and how they're willing to do anything to be a part of that kingdom. Uh, we also talked about boundary markers. Um, I see all my notes up here. Yeah, boundary markers. Boundary markers are, the boundary markers in the church, are, we have them here. We set boundary markers up. We've established them to help us to set a, be set apart from others, right? To decide who's in and who's out in this boundary marker idea. Uh, rabbis focus on three things, the um, dietary law, Sabbath keeping, and circumcision. And they knew the heart of the law was not those things. They knew that it was loving God and loving your neighbor, but still, that's what they focused on. In our world, and we've I've been picking on bikers. I don't mean to. I want to be a biker myself. Um, I don't have a motorcycle. I used to have one, but I dream about them. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Uh, they wear black and, uh, and leather, right? That's, that's a boundary marker for um, bikers. Um, Jesus had boundary markers, but Jesus' boundary markers were markers of the heart. They were things that you couldn't see. Um, when somebody loves God and loves people, they're kingdom of God people. Jesus called it a circumcision of the heart. Nothing you could see. All right, so... We've decided we don't need more religious people. What we need is to find this rhythm or flow that God has going on, that um, we don't have to run faster. We don't have to try harder to be a better Christian. There's nothing we can do in our behavior or our appearance that make us a better Christian. We can't do something that makes us better. Like Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, there's a spring that will give eternal life. And the spring is always flowing. So we need to find that Flow. God has a flow going on. We need to find the rhythm that God is um, of God's song and learn to harmonize with it. And I'm going to pause there just a minute and step out of this uh, introduction just to tell you, um, whenever we were talking about the rhythm, I showed a video called, uh, from a series called Numa. A guy named Rob Bell produced these videos, and he did those years ago. Somebody was asking me about that um, because if you follow... Rob Bell, then you know that he has kind of stepped away from what it means to be a Christian. And I'm not promoting him in any uh, sort, just understand that. I do believe that at that time and what he had to say was uh, relevant for our discussion at that time. Just like showing the video from Bono, I don't think he's a theological expert that, you know, we're going to go take our Christian advice from. Um, I don't know the guy's heart, but I do believe that if there's something that we can show that helps to illustrate what we're talking about, then I'll try to do that. So um, the, this movement or rhythm of God, we want to learn to hear God's song and learn to harmonize with it. Um, the kingdom of God has nothing to do 
with being religious. So what does this mean when it breaks into our community? And we talked about a place where this once happened, where people loved each other. And this resulted in a revolution that despite tremendous amount of persecution, ended up in most of the civilized world becoming Christian within 300 years or around 300 years. It's unbelievable what happened whenever a group of people decided to live like this. If we love God, then we will love God's ragdolls and we will bring them in and we will feed them and we will clothe them. That's one of the things I love about our church, just like the child sponsorship that we're talking about. Every opportunity that we have to partner with somebody to help advance his kingdom. That's why we partner with Safe Families, who I'm happy to say Tracy Clefcorn is going to take point on that. If you want to be involved in that, become a, you know, a partner of that, then talk with her and she's going to connect us well with them. We have um, the Rescue Hill who deals with human trafficking and child labor and those kind of things. We want to do that. I've been talking with a guy and I hope to be able to bring him up here sometime and let you guys talk to him. Super interesting what he's got going on. He's a, he works, just moved here. He's a, a church planner, pastor, and started working with Wycliffe Bible translators. You guys might have heard of them, know them. Well, he is translating the Bible for um, native peoples in other countries that don't have written language. Can you believe that? They are audio translating Bible for these um, tribes that don't have written language. It's such a cool thing that they're doing. And so I, I'm asking them, how can, how can we be involved? How can we spread the scripture to people who don't know and have never heard and can't read, right? It's amazing that we have that opportunity. So over the next three weeks, um, we're going to begin to talk about what this looks like. I want to flesh this out. We've talked about the theory of it, right? And I wonder if over the last few weeks, if you've been here, all three, if you're thinking, of, you know, well, that sounds all fine and dandy, but now what? Like, how do we do this in our life? Well, if you're asking that question, I'm glad you asked because that's what we're going to do. I want to turn to practical applications. And if you know me, you know I'm a guy that likes to, I don't want to just present a problem and then say, here, now go think about this. I want to present a problem and then we want to have a solution to it. So uh, that's what we're going to begin to work on. How do we go about doing this whole kingdom of God thing? I think it starts with um, how do we see God? Who is God. I want to, I found a video of an interview of people on the street that talk, they're just asking random questions about uh, the question to random people, strangers, who do you think God is? So let's take a look at that. Well, I think he's still interested in us. He hasn't forgot about us. It's not based on any facts and there's no, there's nothing that anybody could pull on anyone and make them believe in something with no facts like how religion is. And I know there's, there's way more facts on aliens than there are on any type of religion, but everyone wants to be in denial about it. The creator of all, heaven and earth and mankind. He's like a higher being. Are you That's how I pictured him. Um, I just, I don't know, I think he's special, he's kind of like, like people admire movie stars and he's kind of like a movie star. Oh, that big person shaking his finger at you, I don't know, some, the guy that's up there looking after you making sure you do what you're supposed to do. Somebody that is not only perfect, but without sin. Don't know if there is a God. Um, I call it ultimate reality. 
Um, I believe there's some kind of ultimate reality, but I don't think it's anything that our minds can comprehend. It's interesting, right? The way people view God. You might know some people like this. Uh, some people see God as like an old man up in the clouds. Uh, once upon a time, that's how I viewed God. Some, some people see God as a referee waiting in the sky, ready to blow his whistle and scream, foul! Um, uh, you know, I used to think of God as a, the, the old man up in the clouds with a lightning bolt, actually, like <laughs> waiting to strike me for doing anything wrong. Um, some people might see God as a sadistic person who just can't see people having fun and he wants to ruin it for them. Uh, some people see God as meek and mild, like a pushover. You know, I think that there's all these different ways of seeing God, but I think we have missed the point, or let me say this, people have missed the point. And what is our part as followers of Jesus in them understanding God that way? How can we help people understand who God is? Because when we get to the heart of it, we understand that God is love, right? We know that. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, God loves us. Now, this gets twisted a little bit sometimes because God loves us with a, man, I, I want to say a desperation. Like he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, right? Um, and Jesus, who is a a man set his deity aside, the scripture teaches us, and came down to this earth to show us how to live. Like, there's so much love there, but love does not mean that he's complacent. Love does not mean that he's okay with however we want to live. Love only means that he loves us so much that he's trying to woo us to him. He's trying to bring us to him. Um, we call that prevenient grace. John Wesley called it, I should say, prevenient grace. It's this idea that God is always at work trying to woo us to him before you knew Jesus. And every once in a while, you would probably feel like a little prick on your soul. Like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. That's prevenient grace. That's God trying to draw you to him because he loves you. That's who God is. So no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, he's going to love us. And I have to tell you that I've been in some unsavory places and I have done some unsavory things and I'm not proud of all that I've done in my life. But whenever I understood that God loved me, when I really grasped that he loved me, it drew me to him in a way that I couldn't explain. I didn't say, oh God, thank you for loving me and I continue to live a certain way. I said, I can't believe that you would love me because you love me knowing who I have been and what I've done. I just want to come closer to you. And God doesn't love from afar. This is the point. God dwells among us. We just, I just said he sent his son Jesus to die for us. First John chapter four, verses seven through nine. By the way, I'm going through this. I forgot to let you guys know. If you want to follow along the notes for today's message, you can go to the church's app and in there will be the notes for the message today. Um, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. We have it here. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He loves us. 
Love by nature is not inward focused. And you probably have heard me say this before. Love seeks to move outside of itself. And I can give you a, a real life example. Whenever Sreese and I were dating, people began to ask when we were going to get married. Even before, you know, we had said we wanted to be married, people began to ask when you're going to get married, right? Some of you know that. And then as soon as we got married, as soon as we got married, they started to say, when are you going to have babies? I don't know when we're going to have babies. Now for us, it took a little while. We'd been married, I don't know, eight, six, eight years. We'd been married a long time before we had kids, which was amazing, by the way, to, you know, not have the kids while we were being youth pastors as, you know, we had them towards the end. But um, I love my kids and am happy that we have them. Don't get me wrong, usually. But, um, no, I do. I love my kids. But it's uh, as soon as we got married, people began to ask, when are you going to have kids? We did wait long enough that our parents quit asking. That was a little scary. We were like, man, we better have a kid. Um, even school kids understand, understand this. You guys all know this. First comes love, then comes marriage. Then comes a baby and a baby carriage, right? Yeah, thank you for finishing that for me, Cameron. Um, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing that's built into us. Honestly, we understand this innately, even though we don't speak about it, we understand that love cannot stay within itself. If you say that you love somebody, you love somebody in your family, you love your spouse, you love your dog, whatever. Like if you love that person, then it's not going to stay inside you. You express it, right? And you love when they express that love to you. This is how it is with God's love. It comes to us, but it cannot stay with us. It passes from us to others. Our experience of his love gives us fuel to love other people. I mean, think about that for a minute. Our experience of his love gives us love to fuel other people. Um, in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17, I'm going to sum this up, but Jesus says he gives a new command. One of my all-time favorite scripture in all of the Bible is Jesus saying, I'm going to give a new command. I've, I, every time I have referenced this from up here, I always talk about that because it's amazing that Jesus would come in and say, I'm going to give you a new command. And they were like, we already got all our commands. We don't need any more. And he's like, too bad. I've got another one. Here's a new command. But you guys remember what his new command was? To love one another. Here's your new command. I want you to love one another. Um, and in summary, he says, as the Father has loved me, I love you. You love others. Right? It's a natural progression. His love comes to us, but it doesn't stay with us. It goes out from us. We aren't just receptacles of his grace. I talked about this last week. We are conduits of his grace. Through us, his grace, which is undeserved love and power, his grace flows from us to other people. And we can see practical examples of the way this works in our own world. Think about the Dead Sea. We all know about the Dead Sea, right? In Israel and the Dead Sea is uh, where the Jordan runs into the Dead Sea, but there's no outlets. And so it's the Dead Sea because the Jordan runs into it and the water evaporates and it leaves just minerals. It's a really, if you've been over to Israel, it's a place that a lot of people want to go because it's like super easy to float because of all the minerals and the salts and stuff in it. You just can like get in it and you float real easy and everybody's like, oh, look, I can float really easy in this water. Um, but it's a, it's a thing. There's a large amount of minerals, but that's what happens whenever something comes into it, but it doesn't go out of it. 
right? It comes in and it stays in. And this is how our souls are. If we only ever receive the love of God, but we are not loving other people, then our souls will die. It'll be over. Um, Jesus brought the kingdom of God with him to show us what it's like and teach us to bring other people into that kingdom with us. Just like Jesus, and this is what he said, the Father has loved me, I have loved you, you have loved others. God's kingdom is established, I'm showing you what that's like. Now it's your job to show other people what that's like. What does his kingdom look like? We have to enter into other people's worlds, so we're talking about being practical, right? Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. He said, I'm offering an invitation to a changed life. We need to enter other people's worlds like Jesus entered our world. Just, just process that for a minute. Jesus, who is God. Now, I'm not giving a, a whole lesson on the Trinity, but we understand that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is one God with three parts. Jesus set his divinity aside. Paul explains it. He says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, right? So he set his divinity aside, came down as a human to show us how to live. Like what possible more thing could he do to give us an example of how to live? He said, this is what you got to do. Left heaven to show us. The least we can do is show the other people in our lives. This happens with kids. When Morgan was a little girl, <laughs> got some giggles up here. Morgan thought it was really cool to come to my office and visit me. I can remember. I have even right now a, a handprint where, I don't know, she was like two or three years old and she was in my office and she was really bothering me. And I was like, oh, she, but she just wants to be in there. And I used to keep a Maddie might remember this. I used to keep a, a toy box with toys for them with balls and bats and just different things. So they would come to my office. So they liked to come to my office. They would come and they would hang out and, and they would play in my office. And, and Morgan, the one time she got a little piece of paper, she out, did an outline of her hand, which I still have in my, on my desk right now from, you know, however many years ago. Like, those are good memories for me. She, but the point is she wanted to come to me. She wanted to come hang out with me. She wanted to spend time with me. And um, like when I would go to the grocery store, she used to think that was cool. She still thinks the grocery store is cool. You know, if, if I'm going to the grocery store, she wants to go because we're going to get some ice cream or something. But I think that's, that's beginning to change. And I have to find ways to enter their worlds, right? I mean, think about the way that we enter our kids' worlds or things. And I'm thinking about um, as busy as our kids are right now with uh, volleyball and with football and with cheer and with all the things going on, this is one of the things we do. This is their world. And, and so we go around and, and we invest our time and we invest our energy into going to the games and, the, and watching them do the stuff and, and we enter into their world. Um, I have two, my two older kids are girls. So someday I'm going to have to go and get my nails done with them which um, actually homecoming was not too long ago and they were like getting all dolled up for homecoming. And I was, I said, oh, cool. I was kind of excited. Let's go. It's, it's a great excuse because does a man go and get his toes done? I don't know. If you've ever had your toes done, you know that that's an awesome experience. So I was like a great excuse. Here's a good reason. If anybody sees me, oh, I was with my girls. 
you know. But uh, they, they were going with their friends. And I was like, oh, really? Because can I go? <laughs> but, you know, I want to spend time with them. We want to do, and that's what we do with our kids or with people we love. We want to spend time with. We want to go hang out with. We want to enter their world. But the question is, how do we enter other people's worlds? Figure out what it's like to feel what other people are feeling. How do we do that? Not only empathy, but can we communicate that empathy? Empathize with somebody, but communicate that to them. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 12. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Like these are, these are key. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. You're not better than anybody else. Empathize with them and communicate that empathy to them. Be like Jesus and enter their world. If I want to reach someone for Jesus, it's not going to happen within the safe confines of my little world. I've got to enter their world. So ask yourself this question. Who is it that you're spending time with? Who are you spending time with? And this is a, this is a, can be a scary thing because it's, we find that we spend time with the people that are, are safe. And if we believe in Jesus and we go to church and we have Sunday school and we have home groups, then then we like to hang out with them. As, as a pastor, I'm at the church all the time and we have a Christian church and we have a Christian school and we have like, so I have to find ways. How can I enter other people's worlds? Because I want to do what it is I feel God's called me to do. I'm, I'm not just telling you guys, hey, y'all go do this. I'm, gonna continue. I'm trying to do it myself. How do we enter other people's worlds? Um, don't separate yourself by spending all of your time with Christians. Hang out with your neighbor. I want to be careful by this, to say this, too, because I have kids and I know they're listening right now. Like, I'm not saying that your best friend should be somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I'm saying that until you hang out with somebody who doesn't know Jesus, they're not going to understand his kingdom. That's what I'm saying. Jesus, if you follow his example, his closest compatriots, the ones that he was closest with, were all his followers who believed like him, right? They were, they were at. But then he had times when he would enter somebody else's world, go to dinner with them, go do whatever, and then woo them into his world. That's the thing. We're not going into their world so they can bring us to them. We're going into their world to bring them back with us. Don't mistake the two. Instead of playing in a church softball league, we should start a softball team, right? Play in a city league. Instead of a Christian coffee shop, go to another coffee shop. I mean, this stuff will isolate us from the world, and, and then we become the Dead Sea. I think we should do whatever it takes to help people experience Jesus Christ. That's how I feel. And, and I, I, I just think that that's how we're going to spread his kingdom. And also the church needs to be attractive to people. Right? Because one of the ways that we all reach people for the kingdom, and I know you're doing this, you go and you invite somebody to church. Hey, come to church with me. The church needs to be a place that they want to come. The church needs to be a place that unsaved people love to attend. 
right? They, they need to want to come here. Let people know that we're not going to single them out. We're not going to put them up on stage. Think about a time you went somewhere and you were unfamiliar with where you went. <laughs> this is a funny story. Sarisa and I went to a church one time on a Sunday that I had off. And we went to the church and we sat down and we we're ready, you know, it was a small church, getting ready for pastor to come up and somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, would you mind moving? This is my seat. <laughs> they moved me out of their seat. I was happy to oblige because it's who I am, but we need as people who attend this church, all of us, we need to be the ones who are welcoming people into our church. And if they take our seat, so what? You know what I mean? Like, we want people to find this church an attractive place to be. It's one of the reasons we're getting the floors changed, right? We, we, we got, it's actually, we, we've got it ordered. We're, we're getting, moving ahead on that. Jesus never told us what church is supposed to look like or what worship should sound like. We have to do things to attract other people. I'll give you just a short history lesson. I talked about the book, um, The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark. I don't know if any of you guys read that. But it's, it's, a, um, it's a dry read, but it's very interesting if you like history. When Constantine got saved and legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire, that's when everything changed. Because until that time, they only really knew home groups. Right? They'd been kicked out of the synagogues. And... The synagogue, actually, all that had been burned down by that time. Constantine, when he got saved, um, he was like, hey, I want to go somewhere. And so what they did was they began to convert pagan uh, meeting places to Christian meeting places. And they invited all the people to come. And because uh, now the royalty was coming to church, it's super interesting, everybody got dressed up because they were going to be in the presence of royal royalty. Until that time, nobody cared what anybody looked like. They just came to church. Uh, they, actually, they went to somebody's house. They met at home group. They talked about the Bible. They talked about the Gospels. They um, sang some worship songs together around the table and stuff. That, like, that's how church was done. Constantine got saved, and all of that changed because they converted. They actually took the pagan model of church and converted it to the Christian model, which is what we know today. So, but Jesus never, and, and that's fine, like, the churches flourished throughout centuries. I'm not bad-mouthing that. What I'm saying is, Jesus never said, this is what church is supposed to look like, or that's what church is supposed to look like. He said, just reach some people, right? The last thing he told people when, when he went up into heaven, before he went away, he gave them the Great Commission. Reach people for Jesus. We need to take down barriers. We need to take down these boundary markers, personal boundary markers and church boundary markers so people will come. If people will get past their conceptions of church and Jesus, then I believe they would like to have him in their lives. Somehow we have set up what people believe about who Jesus is. I think if they really knew who he was, they would want him in their lives. But we've given them a preconception somehow about the way we act about what we've said. Oh, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about capital C, big church over history. Something has happened. So that now in the United States, the church, the Christian church is in decline. It's flourishing in Africa. Africa actually is growing faster than any other part of the world right now, the Christian church. 
But that's because the kingdom of God is on such a rise and people are discovering like, oh, this is what the kingdom looks like and they're loving each other and, and it doesn't matter if they've got AIDS or if there's a, a war happening in the town over or whatever, like they're nursing each other back to health and they're um, loving on each other and they're bringing food to each other and they're sharing everything. It's a very Old Testament, I mean, a New Testament Acts kind of church happening. Like that's the kingdom of God. That's what he wants for us. So here's what I want from us. Put the kingdom of God in action. That means your love, put it into action. Enter somebody's world and show them the love of Christ. Empathize with somebody. Show them that you have empathy. Communicate that empathy with them. If they've lost their job, if one of somebody that they know or love has COVID or has died from COVID. Empathize with them. Love on them. Bring them back into his kingdom. That's what, we're, that's what we have to do. So practical number one, enter their world. Like that's, what, that's, that's how we're going to do it. That's how Jesus did it. We're taking his model. Bruno and the team are going to come up. We're going to sing a song to end, but... I just want to give a moment here at the close for us to all begin to think about who in our lives do we need to communicate that empathy to? Who do we know that we know needs to hear about this love of Jesus? Let's spend some time praying about that. God, bring somebody to our minds. Show us who that might be. If you want, you can come kneel at the altar here and pray. You can Pray in your seat, but let's reflect on that this morning. God, this morning as we pray, as we close our time together, first, we're thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for who you are. We're thank you, uh, thankful that you love us. Now help us to learn to love each other like you've loved us. How, God, how can we enter somebody's world? How can we communicate empathy to people? How can we love people? Remembering the definition we adopted some time ago about love. To seek others' well-being. It's real love. Not just to want the best for somebody, but to help them make their best happen. So bring, bring to our mind who that might be. Bring to our mind um, people that need to know Jesus. People that need the, to experience the love of Jesus. Thank you for all that you do for us. Now help us to do for others, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.